Hi, I'm Stuart Spinks, and welcome to episode 31 of my podcast, Beekeeping Short and Sweet. This week, it's Jobs in the Apiary for September. Beekeeping Short and Sweet, a beekeeping podcast for the inquisitive beekeeper with a short attention span. A beekeeper, in fact, just like me. Welcome once again to my weekly podcast, and my thanks to those of you listening via the Patreon page. I really appreciate your support. If you're not familiar with Patreon, it's a support page where you can help me create more content by signing up to one of my reward tiers, and in return, you gain access to additional content and support from me. These start from as little as $1 per month, so I believe with the regular quality content I'm producing, $1 represents excellent value for money. If you've not yet started beekeeping and you're looking for help and assistance, pop over to my website www.norfolk-honey.co.uk forward slash get started and I'll do all I can to help you out with suggestions and recommendations for you. As usual, I'll leave any relevant links for this week's podcast in the show notes. What a difference a week makes. This morning I woke to clear blue skies, bright sunshine and a crisp chill in the air. The lawn is covered in dew and it suddenly feels a lot like autumn. September always feels like the last opportunity to be with my bees before the chilly days of October and beyond set in and we have to wait until spring again to fire up our smokers and start the new season afresh. We've had a cracking summer. The heatwave produced some of the hottest daytime temperatures on record and we were fortunate enough to remove a July crop of honey that all but made up for the very poor start in the spring. More of that in my seasonal review coming up when the days prevent me from heading out into the apiaries, but today I want to chat specifically about weak colonies and what to do with them. I've already covered off some of the jobs that we need to be doing this month, things like checking that colonies are queen right, treatments and feeding, and so I wanted just to talk a little bit more about what we do with our weaker colonies prior to hitting those colder months. You might recognise this scenario, and it does come from personal experience. All too often, I've spent hours nursing a small, overwintered, nuclear-sized colony through the summer and into the autumn, regularly adding a feeder as they struggle for forage, adding a frame or two of brood from a stronger colony to try to bolster the numbers of the workers in that nuke, thinking that maybe that will give them enough bees to really crack on into the summer so that I can maybe move them into a full-size hive and get just one super of honey off them. Spring turns into summer, and they just seem to stubbornly sit in the nuke doing pretty much nothing all year until finally, in late July they suddenly launch themselves into foraging and brood nest building and appear to finally be growing into strength. But of course by then it's too late to move them into a full-size hive and expect them to draw out four or maybe five frames of foundation. As an aside, this is where the pre-drawn frames of brood comb really work very well. Anyway, the nuke sits in the apiary having done nothing all year except take my time, effort, sugar syrup, treatments, 
and now I have to cross my fingers again and hope that they'll survive the winter. What I then find is that sometime in January, I take the roof off and get that heart-sinking moment when I see a small cluster of bees dead in the centre of the nuke, and I curse myself for not uniting them with another colony when I had the chance back in September. I've done this several times, and you would think that I would have learnt by now, but being an optimist, and I think generally most beekeepers are optimists, I somehow think that this tiny colony will be able to keep itself warm through the depths of our coldest winter days and come out the other side roaring into a new season. But it just doesn't happen that way, unfortunately. So this year, I've made myself a promise to unite any small colonies that the wasps haven't already completely destroyed to give them the very best chance as a combined colony. It makes sense to get a couple of weak colonies together and give them the best chance of seeing next year by combining them. One strong colony has a far better chance of survival than two weak ones. So my number one job for September is uniting weak colonies. Having said that, I'm not sure I'm going to find that many. There have been so many wasps about that they've already culled all of the very weak colonies. At least I've made the decision to unite, which is a step forward for me, and I would recommend that everyone does the same, really. It's painful seeing a dead colony in the new year. The way that I unite them is with the simple newspaper method. The nukes that I have have a separate floor from the brood body, and so I'm able to double stack a couple of nuke brood bodies. And of course, I can always just unite two weak colonies in a full-size hive. And that's the benefit of having beehives that are all the same size. Whether, for me, it's the commercial or the national beehive, I can simply put one on top of the other. But I always put the queen-right colony, the, the colony that I've chosen to retain the queen, on top of the other colony. I'm not sure that it makes a huge amount of difference, but I always find that they seem to work out nicely that way round. The next couple of weeks we'll see the last of my colony inspections for this year, checking colonies to ensure that they are still queen right and have enough stores. And I've mentioned this in a few podcasts recently, but don't leave it any later. Time seems to run out very quickly in September and we'll be into October before you know it. One thing that you might notice if you're inspecting is new laying activity that's at odds with your old queen's laying pattern. And this usually indicates a new supersedure queen. Older queens are sometimes replaced naturally by the colony, and this is called supersedure. It's not uncommon at this time of the year to see two queens wandering around side by side, perfectly happy, laying eggs and getting on with their daily life. And this is the mother and daughter, not some strange queen that's just decided to descend on the colony to lend a hand. I know some beekeepers like to replace their older queens at this time of the year, and if you've followed any form of queen-rearing plan this year, you may well be looking to replace older queens now with the younger, more prolific queens. Now's the time to crack on with that job. The new queen will continue to lay eggs longer into the autumn and winter months than her older predecessor. This gives the colony a larger number of bees to overwinter, and hopefully a better chance of survival into the spring. Remember, the colony is now slowing down. The queen's egg-laying will reduce even if she is a new queen, and the colony will soon be thinking about setting the cluster as the nights turn colder. 
If you've not treated colonies for varroa, you may well find the brood nest area becoming very ragged with partially capped cells, dead bees in cells, and brood dotted around the frames. This may be parasitic mite syndrome, and it will cause a colony to fail over winter, so do make sure you've got treatments on where needed. It's not too late, but soon you won't be able to help them. My bees will soon be foraging on the ivy. The plants near my apiaries have already started to flower, at least the very early varieties, and the bees will be loading themselves up with pollen to bring back to the hive to store for use over winter and into the new year. It's one of the last major pollen crops for our bees, so if you're swapping out old black brood frames for nicely drawn light-coloured new frames, make sure that you've done it before the ivy pollen comes in, because the bees will need a source of pollen. Running the commercial beehives, as I do, means that I don't have to add a super to give extra food to the majority of my colonies. This also means that once the honey is off, I can also remove the queen excluders and give them a clean before the days start to turn too cold. If you're thinking of leaving a super of honey on your hive, do remember to remove the queen excluder. If the workers move the cluster higher in the hive, there's a possibility that the queen could be left on the wrong side of that queen excluder, and that would be disastrous for her. My setup means that I'm left with the open mesh floor, brood box, crime board, and roof. It's a really simple setup with minimal parts, which allows me to check up on my bees over the winter period without too much disturbance. The only exception I have is the national hives, which I shall run with an additional super. But remember, the queen excluder will be removed. I'll be doing this just to ensure that they have enough food stores to see them through the winter months. And I always put the super beneath the brood box. It's just a habit that I've got into. I don't know that it makes a huge amount of difference. And I know that beekeepers place their additional super both above and below the brood box. And both seem to work fine. So don't worry too much about where you're placing the super. Finally, at the end of the month, I'll be removing the Apistan treatment strips that I've been using for Varroa control this autumn. Remember, don't leave any treatments in the hive longer than the recommended treatment period and dispose of the leftover strips or trays according to the product manufacturer's recommendations. So that's September really. Leave the jobs too late and you'll be worrying all through the coming months that your bees might not make it. Get it right and you can rest easy throughout the winter knowing that you've given your bees the very best chance of a strong start next spring, ready to start all over again. Well, that's it for this week. Thanks for hanging around until the end of the podcast, and do keep the comments coming. I'm Stuart Spinks, and that was Beekeeping Short and Sweet. Sweet.